Eat, drink, smoke, or we eat the fine food, drink the fine bourbon, smoke the fine cigars. It is the Out of Quarantine episode. Fingers Malloy, look at you. Out. I'm free. I'm free. So understand that neither one of us was actually in a quarantine in terms of having coronavirus. Neither one of us has coronavirus. We were both at the Conservative Political Action Conference in Washington, D.C., where someone had coronavirus. Uh, you had the Senator Ted Cruz going into a self-quarantine, who has now doubled his self-quarantine because he's run into two people now and shaking their hands with coronavirus. Good Lord. That man has bad luck. You've got other members of Congress who went into self-quarantine. We don't know who this... We now know who the guy is. I should say he's been identified oh. as a doctor. Okay, but we don't, we, we don't have names. We do have names. That's not the point. Oh, it's been public. It's been, it's been published. He's been no, outed? Outed. The point is, you and I never ran into him. He was never on Radio Row. You and I would have had no chance to run into him. But both being, you know, people who are, I don't know, schmucks or, or, uh, or, or, or what, 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 responsible, I, Tony Katz, let my employer know, my, my radio station. Fingers Malloy let his employer know. And uh, my employer was like, hey, why don't you do the show from home for a week? I'm like, all right, I'll do the show from, from home. But if I'm going to tell people on air I'm doing the show from home, I'll just stay home for the week. I didn't go out of my house, really, in terms of going public till yesterday. Uh, and I went ammo shopping, which is a great story I'll get into. I went ammunition shopping. I'll tell you that story in, in a second. Fingers calls his employer. Next thing you know, county health departments <laughs> are calling Fingers Malloy, and you were in home until today. Yes, midnight last night I could go out, and I was tempted to just go out and buy a quarter milk, even though I didn't need a quarter milk, but I was like, I, I, I can leave the house. But no, I, I called my local health network because I had a procedure I was supposed to go through on Monday, and I was asking for guidance, and they said, oh yeah, that procedure's canceled, and you need to be in a seven-day quarantine. Right. And so then the next day, uh, a... Um, infectious disease specialist called me and said oh and by the way uh yeah we agree with the assessment last night and we notified the county health department about you that's so just i'm in some database right now or a spreadsheet uh something yes you are oh you're most definitely in a database flagged. or 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 a spreadsheet it's just so crazy so we we were home and both health, you understand you're not going to die from coronavirus that's not that people don't die from coronavirus but we are, we're beyond the point of doing smart, rational things. People, it's like they're desperate to panic. And I want to celebrate the people who are not. And we're going to get into that. But first, let's get into the bourbon. We are doing the whiskey. This is the Uncle Nearest. Uncle Nearest 1884 small batch whiskey. Now, the story of Uncle Nearest is a guy by the name of Nathan Nearest Green. And, and this, from everything I know, this is a true story. Uh, a emancipated slave during the Civil War, uh, the first documented black distiller in America, supposedly came across a young Jack Daniels, Jack Daniels as a boy, and taught him how to do the distilling. That's the story of Uncle Nearest. So there's, an, there's like, an, I think in 1856, Uncle Nearest, this is the 1884 uh, uh, Uncle Nearest. Now... I've seen reviews on this that are not, um, and the charcuterie plate just arrived, and uh, Nick over here at Blend Bar Cigar, where we record, just treated us very, very well. I'm going to eat all of that. That's going to be glorious. Uh, I, we got some prosciutto, some hard salami, some regular Genoa salami on here. Uh, that's, a, that's a cheddar, or there's a, I think that, uh, that's a blue, and... Uh, Slim Jim? No, 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 that's no, not no. Slim Jim. Oh, okay. The pepper jack uh, cheese, but the, uh, I like the stuffed olives and the pepper peppers. 
P-E-P-P-A-D-E-W. Wonderfully sweet with a, with a hit of spice. Just just terrific. The, the, the whiskey is 93 proof. So if I'm to understand your story correctly, uh, a young Jack Daniels culturally appropriated whiskey, is, is, is that what you're telling me? Well, if we're going to say it that way, yes. <laughs> that is exactly what happened. First cornrows, and then, <laughs> and then you know, took the, 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 the whiskey. Um, nose is going to give you a bit of graham cracker. It's going to give you a bit of um, uh, caramel. Um, it's going to be uh, sweet and then a little bit of cinnamon. Sugar cookie? On the flavor. Well, listen, if, if you're already talking graham cracker and caramel, I think you're in gradations and variations of a theme. It's a cousin right? of sugar cookie. Right? So we, we do it neat as we do. Now, Uncle Nearest, a bottle. I don't have a price yet on Uncle Nearest, uh, a, a bottle. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to find what that would be. Wait, hold on. I got it. Uh, 45 to 50 bucks. Okay. $45, a bottle for the 1884. This is a small batch. You ready? Of course. Is this, is this your first drink not in quarantine? Oh God! Oh, God, no! Are you kidding me? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, and actually, no, it's not. I had I had some booze last night, but I, <laughs> Daddy liked to drink during quarantine. Let me tell you that. Is that right? <laughs> yes. All right, here you go. He's taking a sip. That's fingers away. Here I go. This is the Uncle Nearest 1884 93 proof. Um. A touch of a burn on the throat. All right, I'm waiting for flavor. You didn't get flavor? No, I mean, that's that's very simple. There's nothing harsh about that. I feel a touch of burn in the chest. There's nothing tough about that at all. Um, I don't know if I would... All right, I can see a little cinnamon spice as, as it moves off the tongue. But I don't know... I don't know what I... It's... it's it's sweet, but it's not syrupy sweet. It's it's cinnamon, but it's not overly cinnamon. It's a it's a it's almost like a, I would say it's a very clean um, whiskey. Sweet burn is what I would call it, and 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 not you know we've we've had bourbon and whiskeys before that were high alcohol content. You know, darn near one hundred and twenty proof in some cases. Uh, it doesn't burn like that, but they're like you said, it hits you on the tongue a little bit, warms the esophagus, and it's sweet. But I can't quite put my finger on right? the flavor profile. I on the nose, I got the caramel. I got I thought it smelled like a sugar cookie. The nose has more to it than the actual flavor. Yeah, I would agree with that. Right? Most definitely. It's it's but it's not bad. No. But it is, is it $50 a bottle? Good. No, but it, what it is is easy. So if you want to be able to have a bourbon that isn't going to overwhelm you as a bourbon, or I should say a whiskey in this case, um, uh, yeah, this 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 is, uh, well, this is interesting. Well, I think, you know, we've talked about this in the past when it comes to microbrews and for these local hometown distilleries part of the experience is the story and this has a good story behind it Um, yes it does and so with that i think that kind of adds to the enjoyment of this i boy fifty dollars a bottle for this i'm not sure but it's good i mean if i saw it at a bar and they it's good because it's not bad it's good because it has no detracting qualities right Uh, it's not good because it has specific enhanced qualities there's there's the the difference. It's not, but it's it's not bad. 
That's the best I can do. It's not bad. As opposed to America's reaction to coronavirus, which might be criminally insane. By the way, get it on a cube. Oh, yeah? Think. Hold on. I'm, I'm moving the truck. It takes, it takes the burn away, but it also takes a little bit of the sweetness away, too. So if you thought it was a little too sweet, you may like it. No, I didn't have that feeling at all. Okay. I didn't have a feeling it was too sweet. Uh, talk to me about... I mean, I could tell you my entire experience with uh, the insanity that was spending the time at home and watching people's reaction. I will tell you there are things that are heartening me in coronavirus. Now, we're not going to do numbers uh, here in terms of how many people dead, how many people infected. Here's where we are as, as of the time we're recording this, which is March 14th. China seems to be on a little bit of a mend. Stores have opened back up in China. The Apple Store is back open in China. Starbucks is back open in China. Supply chains are back open in China. In the United States, at this stage, they have canceled the NCAA March Madness. They have suspended the NBA season. They've suspended the NHL season. They have delayed the start of Major League Baseball. They have suspended uh, the Premier League season uh, for soccer and soccer here in the, in the United States. Uh, it, they have, in the state of Indiana, barred meetings and gatherings of more than 250 people. In the state of Ohio, it's 100 people. Ohio and some other states closed down all schools. Indiana did not. That's still a, a case-by-case basis uh, here. And, of course, everybody's grabbing toilet paper. <laughs> the, I, the pictures that I get, there's a great picture of a Trader Joe's, and the whole frozen pizza section is empty except for the broccoli and, and kale crust. <laughs> If you want the broccoli and kale crust, there's still 15 boxes, only proving that this is such an apocalypse that we could still be choosy about what we eat. Right. That's how I know it's not an apocalypse. People will die. There are things to do. You have to wash your hands. There are some other things. But do you, are you one of the people, Fingers, who thinks that media has gone over the edge on this? Absolutely. And I think so much of the media today, we've talked about this in previous eat, drink, smokes, the media takes a lot of its cue on how to report things from social media. And social media has run wild with this story. People are posting things that uh, they claim to be from China, video footage, and then you find out later after the video goes viral that it was something that had nothing to do with the coronavirus and it wasn't even in China. So, yes, I think that you're, you're seeing because of the need for viewers and clicks the the amount of coverage on this has been crazy and i feel bad for this kind of reminds me of i i still remember to this day driving to work on 9 11 and my low fuel light coming on and i said to myself i'll get gas after work and then i was one of the people actually needed gas on 9 11 and if you remember back then the day it happened there were people waiting two, three hours at the gas station to get gas. I feel bad for people I'm seeing who uh, online who were saying, my normal routine is I get paid on Friday. I go to the grocery store on Friday. I'm not panicking. But here I am in this mess of pe- this massive humanity of people who are absolutely losing their minds over this uh, situation and... I just want basic staples, and I can't get them because people are buying up all the toilet paper and cleaning products. So let's do two things. Um, and I, and I want to continue down this road. I want to give a defense to, and I want to severely slap the people who are bothered that someone buys 10 bottles of antibacterial or buys 200 rolls of paper towels. Here's my, my one-two punch. First of all, 
where the hell have you been that you're not prepared for basic things to go wrong for a month? Right. Grow up, America. Things will go wrong. Do you know how fragile the system is? This is how fragile the system is. That you weren't prepared already. I want, I'm telling you, this is your learning lesson. Number two, do you think it's so strange? That when people don't know what's going to happen, they make sure they take care of their families? I don't think that's strange at all. I think they buy the hand sanitizer. I think they buy the toilet paper. Now, it is funny that you're buying toilet paper, and (laughs) this coronavirus will have nothing to do with your digestive system whatsoever. (laughs) It's just not. It's an upper respiratory infection like SARS and like MERS, to which we did not freak out, to which we did not lose our minds. H1N1, swine flu, 63 million Americans were infected, or over 60 million Americans were infected. And 12,000 people died, and we didn't do this. So there is a home media play here, and, I, and, and that should not be disregarded. But don't get mad at people because they went shopping. If you tell us, as we are being told, that social distancing matters, so Fingers and I are right now are at the appropriate CDC-approved distance <laughs> right? from each other, as we do the podcast here at Blend Bar Cigar in Indianapolis, Indiana. And by the way, nice crowd here today. Yeah. there are pe- Oh, people are out, and, and I do applaud that. Well, but we did not freak out during uh, swine flu at all. We, we just didn't. It, it, it just didn't happen. If you tell people that things are going to be disrupted, and then they go about ensuring that they can take care of their families during that disruption, and you think that's wrong, I'm sorry, you're out of your minds. How do you think human beings act? The difference is, is that we live in a nation where those things are available. And right now, let's say, on a Saturday, the, uh, on the week after the national emergency is called and everything else, because President Trump called a national emergency, which doesn't make this worse, it opens up opportunities through something called the Stafford Act, which is all about being able to provide more services to states, etc. It is about money. They're putting together this, this bill that's the Family's First Coronavirus Act. There are so many giveaways and gimme. <laughs> yeah. uh, Congress can't stop themselves. They can't help themselves from saying, oh, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a problem. Let's quickly run to government as our solution. Government can do things and should do things. Government has a purpose in our lives, even for people like me who are on the political right and see government as, as a necessity, uh, but a small necessity. Government has a purpose, and this can be very, very helpful. But the giveaways and the gimmies and the money and everything else is just gross as sin. But don't get mad at people because they're buying. Be mad that you weren't prepared. Be mad that the Mormons have been telling you for years to be prepared. They've been telling you. You know to be prepared. And if they haven't, the Boy Scouts have been telling you to be prepared. And both, you decided to throw out a society. They were to be made fun of and laughed at. They're fine. They're fine. They have got enough rice on the shelf for for like three months, and they can start a fire with a flint and steel. You (laughs) can't do nothing. You can't open that can of beans, and you can't cook it. I'm I'm really grossed out. Uh, Grossed out is the wrong word. I laugh at those people who are like, how dare you buy all the, the hand sanitizer? What about the people who really need it? What, I don't really need it? Because I'm using the hand sanitizer. Even if you have coronavirus, I'm going to clean off so it won't hurt me. You see? I'm helping out already. Right. Well, and by the way, this is natural Viagra for the preppers that have been waiting for this for years. It's like, oh, this is our time to shine. Uh, We would tell you that, but you won't be able to find us. Uh, (laughs) But uh, look, I think that you, you brought up a good point in a phone conversation we had yesterday about how, and I'm guilty of this too, using the word panic 
panic is another word that has been watered down over the years. And in 2020, panic is described as people, uh, big lines at the grocery store and some things on the shelves aren't stocked. You know, in the grand scheme of things, if you look out there, like on the street, we've got a very good view in front of Blend Bar Cigar. I don't see anyone rioting. I don't see cars being turned over. No runs on, on banks. No runs on pharmacies to try and get medicine. There's a whole medicine conversation to be had. But we are not in a panic. This buying isn't even in a panic. We have, in my view, overreacted. That's the right word to use. Right? So when we talk about suspending a season, suspending, you know, uh, postponing the Masters, okay, I can see it. I don't agree with the idea of canceling March Madness. You should have played without crowds. Because I think those players still would have been all right. I really and truly do. The theory behind the canceling is something called flattening the curve, right? So the worry is, is that as these things go, as we saw in South Korea, saw in Italy, uh, China lies, so you can't trust any of their numbers right. whatsoever. They, they lie. The Chinese government lies. They're communists. They're all liars. And anybody who looks to the Chinese government as, wow, look what they've done, is undeserving of your love. If you vote for that person, you're out of your mind. Never trust communists. Communists are liars. By definition, communism is about lying and about deceit. That's what it is. Don't don't listen to me. Read a book. What can I tell you? Um, I got myself on a, on a China tangent. <laughs> I, I, I totally got the weird thing is. Up. Two hours later, you're going to feel like doing that again. Oh, see what I did there. But yeah. we were we were talking about um, how then things peak, right? So if you take a look at the numbers, what happens is is that they you get this large amount of cases because it multiplies very very rapidly through this thing called community spread, which is why they talk about social distancing to limit the community spread. The reason you postpone these things or don't have the crowds is so you can keep people away from each other. The spread happens less and you don't overwhelm the system. When you hear the term flatten the curve, that is about the people who are going to need hospitals because people are going to need hospitals. People who are 80 and older, like my father, people who are 60 and older who have compromised health conditions, they're going to need respirators. We don't have enough respirators. Now, Trump in his press conference said we're buying them. We should, be bought, we should own every single respirator around the globe, and we should be helping companies start up to make respirators. Right. You know, there are moments here where, I'm sorry, Trump has not hit it. I'm not specifically mad at Trump, but there are more things he should be doing and could be doing. And don't ever tell me it's not my responsibility. Right? This has to do with the tests and the problem with the tests because they had sent out a round of tests for coronavirus, but there was a problem with what they referred to as the reagent in one of the tests, so they had to basically start over. And that's why tests weren't out as fast as they needed to be. Now... It doesn't matter because not everybody needs to be tested. I called my doctor. My doctor called the CDC, and they're like, "No, you're fine. Don't don't bother." I didn't get you, did you, you know? No, there was no. There was no. I, I didn't get tested. There was no need for that uh, to to happen. So you only get tested if you have symptoms: shortness of breath, a cough, uh, body aches, or a fever. And in tandem, as my doctor through the CDC uh, told me, flattening the curve means you don't have this massive run on people at hospitals. At most, the United States, when, when put into an emergency situation, 93,000 ICU beds. Now, yeah. in a normal time, that handles it. In, an epi- in a pandemic, less, right? So it, ha- less pe- it can handle less. The, the system can only handle so much stress. So what you want to do is try and limit people's exposure so those people who will get sick are staggering in and out of the hospital. Not like zombies, but you know what I mean? This person's been two weeks and they're out. Now somebody else is in for two weeks. 
and you're, you're being able to stay ahead of the curve, or, or ahead of the system, I should say, ahead of the disease. That makes perfect sense. Your politics do not play here. Don't tell me, oh, it's all made up to hurt Trump. Some of it's made up to hurt Trump. But when we talk about what the disease is doing, this, this is what you're, you want to do. You want to stay ahead of the curve, flatten the curve, so you don't get the massive spike, because in the spike... That causes the panic. No, that's ridiculous. It's supposed to be a global conspiracy to get Trump. You know, I I do agree with you that some of this is definitely being used to try to hurt Trump. But I mean, the idea that this whole thing is overblown and it's a, a, a plot against Donald Trump is ridiculous. Uh, I think part of the problem with Americans, and I, gosh, I'm going to sound like a leftist criticizing uh, my fellow citizens, but we're very spoiled in a lot of ways, and to think that. Tests should be available to everyone for this new virus. I think it's it's unreasonable to expect that. And also, you have to there, there has to be a return on investment when it comes to testing people. And what I mean by this is, if you're 25 years old, you have the symptoms. You're you got a 102 degree fever. You've got respiratory issues, but you can handle it at home. But you, but in that in that argument you're making, you're talking about somebody who is showing the symptoms. That person should call a doctor and very well should get tested regardless of their age. But when you don't have the symptoms, there's no point in getting tested. There's no point in it according to what I have heard in my own anecdotal experience. Now, part of what the new testing is going to be is what they've you've seen in South Korea, which is the drive-through testing, where basically you can pull up Someone in a hazmat suit is going to do a culture on your throat, and then they're going to stick a, a basically a Q-tip right up your nose. It's pretty nasty. Yeah. Right? And you can have test results in a matter of hours. That's the way the South Koreans are doing it. So very often you're here, well, why hasn't the U.S. done it like South Korea has done it? Some things are indeed cultural. Some things are indeed bureaucratic. And where this gets political is that people are immediately going to, you see, this is why we need socialized medicine. This is why we need paid family leave. That will help with the, with the, with the social distancing. So in this bill that the Senate, I think, is going to now follow through on, the House has already passed it by a, a huge number, there's going to be paid family leave. The, I am not a fan of paid family leave, and I am not a fan of bailouts. So when we talk about 2009, 2008, the bailouts of AIG and the bailouts of banks, I was completely and totally opposed to this because there's no such thing as too big to fail. It doesn't exist. I, I, I'll, I'll argue anybody with it. Fingers, I'll argue you with it. It doesn't matter. In this case, small businesses are going to get hit. Um, mid-sized businesses are going to get hit. Individuals are going to get hurt. That much is true. So do we as a society want that? And the answer is no. I don't think I want that. I don't mind helping those people. Now, where I want the money to come from is the debt that we owe China. Because I said I would get back to China. China are some duplicitous people. Not the Chinese people. Not your friend. Not your local store. Not your local restaurant. I'm talking about the Politburo. I'm talking about the communists that control China, that lie about the numbers. If you think it's only 80,000 cases, you're out of your head. You're out of your mind. I, I can't believe you would buy into that. You're the kind of person who, who buys pieces of the Brooklyn Bridge. You're the person who buys, you're the person who's like, wait a second, this is a Nigerian prince we're talking about. That's you. Of course there are more cases than that. 
These are people who have been stealing uh, intellectual property, stealing trade secrets. On college campuses, there have been things called Confucius Institutes, which are supposed to be about this multicultural learning place to help build and foster relationships between the U.S. and the Chinese. That's not what it does. Confucius Institutes take a look at what's going on on college campuses, and anytime there's something anti-Chinese, they're the ones screaming racism to try and stop you from speaking poorly about what's going on in China. They have been thrown off of college campuses, by the way, because of, of what they do. The Chinese government cannot be trusted, and there are no sacred cow Chinese companies. They're all controlled by the communists. So you take a look at Alibaba, it's controlled by the communists. Take a look at Huawei and ZTE, they're controlled by the communists. That has a 5G uh, component to it, but we'll, we'll get back to that. When I started seeing Chinese government officials discuss how coronavirus was started in the United States and then placed into Wuhan, just because it was first found in Wuhan doesn't mean it started in Wuhan. Starting to blame the U.S., I said, okay, I'm done here. I have long advocated for the idea that the Chinese have to pay for the trade secrets they steal and for the intellectual property they steal. But in this case, I want to buy every respirator we can, and I want to put dollars into companies that will build respirators, and they will pay us back. You know, we did that uh, with, with bailouts of, of, of auto manufacturers. Well, I did not favor that for auto manufacturers. I'm talking about how we keep Americans alive here. And if you tell me, well, Tony, it's mighty socialist of you, I'll say to you, oh, that's cute. That's, a, that's, a, that's adorable. I didn't say government should get into the business. I said private business should get into it, and we should help those people along. That's how I mean it. That's what I am saying directly. We should be buying the masks, and we should be buying the surgical gowns. We should take a look at healthcare workers and give them an additional stipend for the next year or eliminate their tax burden. The people who make respirators, they, none of them should have to pay taxes for the next year. Not only the business, but indeed those who work there. And we pay for all of this, all of these things that we need, by taking a zero off the debt we owe China. <laughs> this is how I'm going to pay for it. Now, what I get told is, well, you know, Tony, they make our drugs. And I don't think people knew this, that while we do the R&D in the United States, the actual manufacture of drugs most often takes place in China. Yeah. The raw ingredients are there and everything else. We... If there is a silver lining to coronavirus, fingers Malloy, <laughs> it is going to be the aggressive return of manufacturing of all sorts to the United States. I agree with you. I mean, there may be a short time where there's an inflationary cycle because these things are going to be more expensive if they come back to the United States. Uh, <clears throat> but going back to your other point I, about government helping out, it's also nice to see private sector solutions that are starting to take hold. Uh, you know, you, you've got so many people who aren't athletes who are still affected by all of these major sport sport leagues canceling or postponing their seasons. You're seeing individual owners. You know, I, I'm a big Detroit guy. The Illich family, they own the Red Wings and the Tigers. They've already set up a fund that will pay part-time workers who work at Little Caesars Arena where the Red Wings play and Comerica Park where the Tigers play. They're going to pay their employees, at least for the first month, as if they're working. It's, it's nice to see that there, there's... While I do think that we're hopelessly divided as a nation, at least people are coming together to try to help out people in need, which is something Americans have always done. We are hopelessly divided as a nation, but people aren't scumbags. That's what we learn here. Yeah. Right? Most people are normal. There's a great story on Twitter. This woman, I don't know her name. I'm sorry. When I last saw it, it had like over 500,000 likes. Here's her story. I'm going to the supermarket. 
And all of a sudden, this woman yells for me. I look over. It's this old woman in a car. She's there with her husband. She says she's 80 years old. She cracks the window down a little bit. She's 80 years old. She's afraid to go into the store. She's afraid she's going to get coronavirus if she goes into the store. Will you, kind woman, please buy these groceries for me and hands her the grocery list and $100? This woman is like, oh, okay. Buys the stuff, comes out, puts it in her trunk, gives her the change. I said on air, you need me to go pick up your groceries. I'll, I'll, I'll do it. I, I, what do I, it. It happens to be snowing as we do the podcast here <laughs> in Indianapolis in March. Right? Um, I'll, I'll, I'll pick it up. I'll gladly pick up your groceries. I'm telling this story on air. I got 10 emails in three minutes saying, if you need any help, let me know. That's incredible. I'm glad to do it. Happy to do it. We are pretty awesome. Yeah. People are, in general, good. Checking on your neighbor, seeing if they need anything, is exactly the thing to do. The kindness does not necessarily start with a check. It starts with actually being kind. And there's been a lot of that. And it's been pretty wonderful and pretty terrific. There's also been a lot of purposeful misinformation, politically purposeful misinformation, which has been awful and is, is wrong. And when I see the story that Rashida Tlaib, the congresswoman from, from the Detroit area, uh, I'm saying the Detroit, I, I forget Dearborn. her actual district. Dearborn, sorry. Um, she has said, well, you know, according to the uh, congressional doctors, 75 to 150 million people can be infected. That's, that was a headline on the Drudge Report. What the hell is Drudge doing? I don't what the? That's not a headline. I'm telling you 150 million people are infected with something right now. Right now, as we speak, they don't even know it. It doesn't affect them. Right. It doesn't matter if you're infected. It matters if it affects you. Now, I'm not saying I want people infected. I'm saying that running that is, is about promoting fear. There is a doctor who considers himself a virus chaser, a Dr. Fair, F-A-I-R, on MSNBC, he was talking about a 15 to 20% mortality rate, and the host didn't push back. 15 to 20%? Are you nuts? That's not nowhere close. Right now, worldwide, the, the, the mortality rate is 3.4%. However, since they don't have a good number on all the people infected who haven't done anything because they show no symptoms, that mortality rate is much less. What Dr. Anthony Fauci said, who is the head of uh, infectious diseases, basically NIH, is that coronavirus is 10 times deadlier than the flu. And people are running with that headline. They never ask themselves what that meant. Right. The flu has a mortality rate of 0.1%. More people die of the flu than of coronavirus. However, coronavirus being 10 times deadlier means you'll have a mortality rate of 1%, which is lower than the 3.4% we're at now and is not 15 to 20% of the population of the United States. But you put that as a headline. That's flat-out fear-mongering. Fear-mongering. That's the ugliness. Noting that there has been a problem with testing isn't fear-mongering. There's been a problem with testing. Noting that the government wasn't at a snap ready, and not even at two snaps. It took five snaps. It's worth noting, by the way. Only proving that more government is not the answer, <laughs> because it's a problem of government in general. And when you tell me, well, these socialized countries, they have the testing, great. But Italy has over 12,000 cases of coronavirus. And South Korea has near 10,000 cases of coronavirus. And so, and, and uh, socialized medicine is China. Yeah. Uh, communist medicine is China. 80,000 cases. So don't tell me about these places as panaceas. Like, testing is not a panacea. But those are at least legitimate conversations of where we got it wrong and how we could do better. Smart people have those conversations. 
I'm not about to be a Trump idolater and be like he did everything perfect. But when he stopped the travel from Wuhan and stopped the travel from China, it was the American press that called him a xenophobe, that we, you were uh, inciting uh, the Chinese, you were going to create massive problems for us. This was unnecessary. You don't know how to handle it. You bungled it. And then when the thing with the testing happened, oh, you bungled that. But what about keeping people out, which has been an incredible help? Now, I don't know as much as the European travel ban is going to help. I, I guess time will tell on that. But if you want social distancing, you just did it by not allowing the Europeans to travel to the United States. But the press is, to many levels, guilty of trying to exacerbate fear because they want it to win an election. It's gross. Yes. <laughs> I'm glad we talked. <laughs> no, it's, it's incredibly frustrating to watch what is happening and how you, you, you see something like this, and I still go back to the, thinking about the Gabby Gifford shooting. When the news broke of Gabby Giffords getting shot, my first reaction, unfortunately, is, oh, gosh, how is this going to be politically spun? The whole mentality of never let a, a crisis go to waste has... That is it, right? ...has now become part of the political climate in this country. And instead of coming together and figuring out a way to best deal with this pandemic, you have a political party and a media movement that has painted itself in the corner where they're almost rooting openly for people to get hurt and for the economy to go in the tank. And watching it is disgusting. It is. Yet they do want it. And they desire it. And they won't admit to it. In the same way Trump always saw coronavirus through a political lens, oh, the press is just talking about it to attack me. That whole line about a hoax, he never called coronavirus a hoax. He called the press saying that he wasn't doing anything about it a hoax. That's what he was talking about, but you never want to use the word hoax. It's like when he talks about the test kits, and he says, I'm not responsible for that. You're responsible for everything. You're president of the United States. Right. Don't, bl- go, don't go blaming Obama. Your, your staff can do that. You are the president. Handle it. Act like it. Be ready for it. But this isn't where Trump really is at his best, because it's not he thinks about it in the political, how are they coming at me? As opposed to, hey, How do we deal with coronavirus? Let me show America. Let me explain to America what's happening and how on top of this we are. Don't worry about political ramifications. Worry about that that empathy thing. Now, me not being a touchy-feely guy when it comes to my elected leaders, it never bothered me because I was just hearing what was going on and, and I could fill in the rest. Other people really like that and really need that. And it shows that you are involved and not detached. He looked detached at the first and might a touch still now. But he gave enough for the press to do what it is that they do. And then they doubled down with pushing lies, misnomers, falsehoods in a really ugly way. Well, he's a businessman. He shoots from the hip. One of the reasons why he was elected is because for many years the American people got sick and tired of watching politicians give speeches where it felt like uh, the remarks were run by 15 focus groups. And in this situation, you know... Measured responses, well thought out responses are probably what are what's needed here. But look, the guy shoots from the hip, and whatever comes uh, to to mind at the time, he not just throws it sh- out there. Yeah, and it's it, not the time to go off script. That's all. That's that's all it is. It's that part where I think he's he's just not he's just not good at it. I accept this in 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 the man. Some people are going to say, "Well, then we got to have somebody else." I don't need a smooth talker. I need I need the doing. 
if the tests were wrong, tell me why, get it fixed, and let's fire somebody if we have to. As a matter of fact, I prefer you fire somebody. I want to see, I want to see Trump say you're fired. Like every, that's why you voted for him. You want to see the, the TV show right. come to life, right? Um, but I don't want to... I don't want to get insane. I want to focus on the issue at hand. By the way, speaking of the issue at hand, the, the uncle nearest, the 1884, where are you? You have it on the cube. I still have it neat. Where I have you? it on the cube, and it's – I'm enjoying it. I really am on the cube. It took a little bit of the burn away. It took a little bit of the sweetness away. Uh, but, again, I – look, you hand this to me. I'm going to drink it. I'm, oh, yeah. I'm fine with it. I don't know if I would run to the liquor store and spend $50 a bottle My on point it. is is that anybody who was handed this would drink it. Mm-hmm. You would gladly drink it. You'd be like, oh, that's lovely. Yep. It wouldn't leave you thinking about it tomorrow. I think that's the best way to describe it. There's no, there's no overwhelming note here. Now, I've been, I've been gobbling down the prosciutto and the cheese. And by the way, I put my hands over everything, so feel free. <laughs> feel free. I'm the Rudy Gobert of the charcuterie plate. Right. By the way, have, have, do you think Rudy Gobert has a career in the NBA? after Rudy Gobert is the player in the Utah Jazz who was mocking coronavirus by touching all the uh, microphones of the reporters during pregames and... And he, then he got coronavirus, and another player, I think it's Donovan Mitchell, got coronavirus. Utah Jazz players supposedly are pissed <laughs> at, at Rudy Gobert. Um, uh, you know, guy shut down the entire league. Shut karma? Karma? <laughs> is that yeah, what that is? I, you know, I, I was talking to a mutual friend of ours, and I said I felt like it was karma for me being locked up in a room for seven days because, you know, we were headed to CPAC, and I... While I en- I really enjoy doing this, I don't enjoy talking to strangers. So I joked that I was going to have a shirt made that said, "Ask me about my recent trip to China." <laughs> I was going to have a shirt made to walk around so people would leave me alone. And then I come home and I'm told to lock myself in a room for seven days. I was put in timeout, basically. So I was like, "Oh man, karma. Eh, maybe right. it's real." Let's get to the smoke. So the smoke is from uh, Little Gomez. So this is from La Florida Minicana. I think I need your attention. Uh, that, that was my rapping name back in the 90s. Was it Little Gomez? Yes. L-I-T-T-O. A, uh, a Chevy Avalanche pulled up in the parking lot of Blend Bar Cigar where we record in Indianapolis. They're in Houston. They're in Pittsburgh. They're in Nashville. They don't make that truck anymore. But that truck, has that has your name on it? Yeah. The I Avalanche? want a full-size pickup truck. And I love the Avalanche because it's versatile. You can, you know, the, the, the bed, it, it, you can... Uh, fold everything down. Uh, I got a... Find new roads. Chevy. <laughs> the last pickup truck I had, uh, full size, I had a three-quarter ton Sierra back in 2000. That's a big truck. Yeah, it was great. Three-quarter ton. I had to sell it, though, Tony, because gas had spiked to $2 a gallon, and it was <laughs> killing me. <laughs> oh, my God. Gas prices are coming down everywhere, by the way. And it's it, it, less people are traveling because of coronavirus. I mean... Don't deny economic impact. $113 billion is the impact on the airline industry. You've got the CEO of JetBlue, the CEO of, of Southwest saying this is very much a 9-11 feel, if not worse. Um, and the cruise line industry is, is, is wrecked. There's a whole thing about hospitality, right? You take a look at downtowns, you know, where let's say March Madness was going to be. And now they've got nobody. And where and now that conventions are being canceled because of coronavirus, where does it come back? I'm actually going to be starting a whole thing about doing uh, staycations in your in your town. Staycation at a at a, at a hotel. Yeah, a staycation downtown, st- right where you're at. It's a great way for 
so much of, I think, what needs to be done in terms of helping people is either the kindness factor, right? Checking in on your neighbor, shopping for your neighbor, whatever the case may be. Or if you're going to spend the money anyway, do it right where you live and, you know, engage that economy in that way. It's not, it's not about government. I just, I just don't buy into that. I just now, never have. I have gotten in the last two days so many emails from restaurants with discounts. Come in. Get 20% off this. Have you really? Oh, it's been crazy. The other thing, too, I've gotten to know uh, names of CEOs of airlines because <laughs> of the emails and the videos that were sent to me. But uh, I was go- I'm supposed to go to Florida for spring break. And I'm supposed to go to Atlanta to see my parents. Yeah. Which already, and you and I were just talking about this before, my father's 82, your father's 81, and they don't listen to nothing. No. But wait, talk about Florida first. Well, I, look, spring break, airfare is ridiculous for spring break and was up until uh, this week. And I was looking at flights through an airline called Allegiant. It's a discount uh, carrier that flies out of Indianapolis. There's a great route going from Indianapolis to uh, where family lives down in Florida. Flight was $420 last week before you add all the stupid seat fees and all that. And, and luggage. $100 round trip for the same flight. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. And so there are people out there who are flying and they're like, eh, if I die, I die. And there's part of me that really appreciates that person. I, I, I get it. You know, it, it's not that things aren't harmful to some, but it doesn't mean it's harmful to all. Take your precautions. I will. When I flew to D.C., I wiped down my seat. I did when I got on the plane. I wiped down my seat. I had antibacterial on me. I used it every 20 minutes or, or, or so. If I touched something, I, I did that. And it's only because I've gotten sick on planes before. I've gotten pink eye from planes before, which is the grossest experience in the, in the, in the world. <laughs> You know, it's just, I didn't need coronavirus uh, to tell me. But my dad is 82. And if you tell him, hey, you know, don't go out as much. What? What? Why don't you stop talking, Tony? What? I got, I got this far. I didn't think I'd get this far. Don't tell me. No listening. What? I only hope they're wiping down a seat at the restaurants they go to because they will not stop going. My parents, my mother's 72. They will not stop going. I tried. Yesterday I had a conversation with my dad. And at least he, I, I know he listens to me because he acknowledged yesterday. He went into a local pharmacy that he likes to go in to pick up a few things. And he was going to go buy bottled water. And there was no bottled water. And he, uh, he said, uh, you know, you told me a few weeks ago to start stocking up. I guess I should have listened to you. I didn't do that. But then I said, well, you know, Dad, he's the type. He's got a group of friends that, God bless them, 81 years old. They like to go to happy hour, you know, a few bars uh, throughout the week they go. And I said, Dad, you think maybe you could hold off on that for a little while? Just a couple weeks. Have the friends over. You go to a friend's house. Don't go to the bars uh, for happy hour. He's like, I'm not going to live like a hermit. It's not going to happen. I'm going to live my life. But what, what am I going to do? Am I going to tell an 81-year-old? Nothing you can do. There, there is something, you know, the whole idea of uh, the, the, the child becomes the parent. Um, that that is real, and watching that happen to people, I, I can't say that has happened to me uh, in, in Toto. I, I I wouldn't say that, but watching it happen to people is I I find awful because I don't want that. And I watch. I'm like, man, do I not want that for my kids? What can I do? How much harder can I work right now to ensure I'm not, I'm not doing that uh, to to my kids? But I I get a part of it. They're they're just. There comes a moment where you're like, what else can life possibly throw at me? When 
my father made it to 82. My father, I will tell you, his father died young. I think my father's, my grandfather died when my father was 13. Oh, wow. 14. Um, and it wasn't necessarily an easy life after that. My father was convinced he was going to die in his mid-50s. Convinced. And trust me, I had to deal with the insanity of my father during those days. Everything was a life lesson. Everything was so important. Well, he, he has surpassed that by near 30 years. He can't believe it. He, he doesn't even know what to do with himself. He's alive. His wife's alive of 50 years. They still work together. They have, a, 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 they have an office in, in the house, and they wake up, and they have breakfast, and it's the same breakfast, and she makes the breakfast, and it's adorable. <laughs> they complain about the same things. I mean, if I lived that way, I would kill myself, but it's adorable <laughs> that, that they do it. And then they, they walk down the hall, and then they, then they work. Sometimes they work two hours. Sometimes they work 10. And it's, it's mostly phone and computer kind of, kind of stuff in, in, in the work that they do. But their activity is, okay, let's go grab a three-hour lunch. <laughs> and, they wish, and since they work at home, they want to have lunch where they're around people, right? And they want to be around younger people because they know that they're 82 and 72, but they look at 82 and 72-year-olds and like, you people are old and terrible. <laughs> you are, do you know how bad you look? You're the worst. Oh, my <laughs> Gosh, so they want to be around younger people. So it's usually like sports bars. They've given up half the pretense of, of good food. They just How big was the burger and could they share it? Basically is where they're at. That and the salad. They're not going to stop. They are not going to stop. I, I said, listen, just wipe down the seat. It's the, be- it's the best I can do. Wipe down the seat and just make sure that my name is spelled right in the will. This is the only things I could ask for. <laughs> right. That's all I could want. I can't stop them. And, and I, I don't want to I'm, – I'm not going to parent them. I'm not going to, to, to scold them. This is, this is the life that they want. And they take a look at what's going on around them, and they're saying, yeah, we're okay. All right. Solid. It's a, there, yeah, you have to almost resign yourself to the idea that there is only so much you can do. And there will come a moment with your own kids that there's only so much you can do. Well, and they're old enough to probably remember – Stories from family members about the Spanish flu, right? <laughs> you know what I mean. Nineteen eighteen. My father was was born in thirty eight. Yeah, it was only twenty years prior, right? Yeah, so that's heard, a good point. They've heard the stories. You know, there, listen. There's part of me that obviously worries about my dad doing this sort of thing, and then there's a part of me that really admires the fact that that's how he's going to live his life. And so you just have to hope that everything works out, and he's an intelligent man, and he knows he needs to you know, wash his hands and have hand sanitizer if he can get a hold of a bottle now. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you, 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 you can't tell someone in their 80s how to behave in a situation like this because they, they've lived through everything practically and then some. So they're going to live their life. So we are smoking. Little Gomez. Now here's where it gets weird. When I take a look at all the other Little Gomez's, L-I-T-T-O, I don't find the one that we're smoking. This We're smoking what I see as the small batch number seven. But I have not been able to get really the difference between that and some of the other ones that are out there. This is a monster of a smoke. Seven, this is 54, I think, in, in the ring gauge and seven inches long. Seven by 54. So seven inches long. T. And uh, 54 is the ring gauge, how thick it is around. T. So 64 is a full inch uh, around. This is, uh, I think it's Dominican throughout, but it's a Sumatra wrapper. 
at least on the small batch number one, it's a Sumatra wrapper. I haven't been able to get a good feel of this. You know what I do know? That it comes in like a case that holds somewhere between 75 and 100 cigars. Nice. So it's not something you buy a box of. I have not had a cigar this strong. You know, this has got punch. This is one of the spicier cigars I think I've ever had. I, I mentioned to this to you uh, before we started recording this segment. It, the spice almost punches you in the teeth. It's so strong. The wrapper is wonderfully oily, almost like you would see on a, on a, on a brown leather chair. Just absolutely terrific. And it feels it. I mean, feel it. It's a touch of grit going on yeah. on the wrapper there. It, it is glorious. It is it's putting off a fantastic white smoke, a wonderful bit of creaminess right there. This is just, and, and if you feel, it, this has weight to it. You actually feel the weight of this cigar. You can't always say that. No, and, uh, you know, you smoke a hell of a lot more cigars than I do. Thank you very much. Uh, and there are times when a cigar will sneak up on me. And later I'll, I will be, uh, you know, quarter of the way through, half the way through and think, wow, I'm catching a a buzz off of the cigar and uh there this isn't going to sneak up on anyone <laughs> yeah. yeah this this uh, i'm right away i'm like oh yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna get a buzz off of a cigar so this comes out of the people of la florida Dominicana, and i love la Flor. i love what they do on almost every level the only cigar they make i find uh reprehensible is the chisel and that's because of the shape, how it comes down. It's not a torpedo. It comes down almost in, almost like they, they box-pressed a torpedo. Now, if you're going to box-press a cigar, I'm fine. I love a box-press. Uh, but it's just it's, it's, it's painful, and I won't smoke one. I'm thrilled with what they do. And if my humidor was nothing but LaFleur's, I'd be totally happy. This is, there is serious spice to this, but there's also serious tobacco to this. It's a good, good mix. Sometimes the spice is this overwhelming thing, and then you have to get used to it. I don't feel that way. Uh, so I'm still into the first third. It's a big cigar. It's going to take some time. But it is the spice mixed with that really, really rich tobacco. And if you're feeling buzz, I would say that's where that's, that's coming from. This is a full body, and it's just, oh, it is splendid. I want to order a cup of coffee. Well, like, I, I was going to say it's pairing very well with the whiskey that we're drinking because because it's because it's a very simple whiskey. It yeah. isn't. There's no overpowering flavor to it, so I can see that going well and going perfect. And actually, I wonder it's because they talk about the the uh, the earnest there, um, kind of giving you that almost uh, cinnamon kind of finish. So I don't know if that com- that goes well with the spice that you're getting out of out of out of the cigar or not. It's almost like a whiskey sorbet. It's like it's cleaning my palate a little bit from the cigar, uh, and it's very pleasant. And again, you you n- you never put it on a cube, or you didn't have no, nice chips. The ne- I, I called it earnest. I meant nearest. I apologize for that. But you you think all right? I'm gonna here. Let me let me take a sip. Yeah. And you still have a cube there? No, I'm, I know. No, I, I would much rather have the. Oh no, I'm put. I'm here. You 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 finish this. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> you just take that. Uh, right. If I have to. Besides, you have to prepare yourself for your shot of fireball here in a little while. Oh, son so. of a gun. So I lost the bet. I lost the bet on how long impeachment will last. Uh, and therefore, I have to do a shot of fireball. And if you want to see that happen on my Facebook page, facebook.com slash Tony Radio, <laughs> that will happen. Speaking of cinnamon. That will happen. I will do a shot of fireball. The whole coronavirus uh, quarantine, you know. And everything I've dealt with in the last week, 
the worst thing I've had to do this week is walk up to a liquor store clerk and ask if they had an airplane bottle of Fireball. <laughs> Felt so dirty. Um, so in the coronavirus conversation, uh, you know, you talk about flights and things like that. And, and how I think how I hope people react in trying to help their own cities. Like, I'm, I'm a big believer in what has to happen is uh, don't give to some GoFundMe. Don't give to some national group. Your city takes care of your city. Your town takes care of your town. And pretty soon everybody will be okay. Are the people there getting the food they need? Are they getting the resources they need? Because there are, there are people who are really going to be hurt. This is not about your, your politics. This is about your humanity. People are going to be out of jobs for a while. We talk about those, 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 those not hospitals, those hotels. All those service employee people. Yeah. They didn't do anything wrong. And, it's, you know, and, and some people politically be like, well, let the union take care of it. Don't be dumb. These are the people who are your neighbors. And now that schools are closing in so many places, now they can't necessarily go to work, even if there is work for them to do, because they have to take care of the kids. So I'm a big believer in this, taking care of right where you live. And uh, I, I still think I'm going to end up going to, you know, Passover is coming. I think we're going to end up going uh, to Atlanta for Passover. I still have that trip down. It would take a lot for us not to go. Um, but... If you told me, you know, uh, you know, I, I I couldn't go, or for whatever reason, three days uh, downtown, and you know, whatever museums are still open, and eating food, and, and yeah, to be supportive, I'm going to spend it somewhere. Yeah. So I mean, I'm I'm gonna I'm supposed to see family, and one of the people uh, who I'm supposed to see is a senior citizen who had C diff a couple of years ago. So nope. See, see there, there's a reason to be like, yeah, I'm not doing that. Because you, you, your kids, even if you have no symptoms, let's say you're carrying something, that's, that's a bit of a rough one. That's a yeah. difficult one to do. If, if my father or mother had respiratory issues, I wouldn't go. They don't have any of the. They have much deeper psychological issues. They, they, <laughs> I'm laughing because I don't want to cry on you. They, they don't have those other issues. It's like that in every family, Tony. That's right? why I'm laughing right along with you. Yeah, it's, it's, it's Clear the tears, man. That, that's how funny that was to you. Um, but if they had those issues, I'd be like, no, 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 not coming, not, not going to do that. But then again, that's also two weeks away. World's going to be different in two that's weeks. That's right. You know? But to your point about rallying around your, your neighbors and loved ones that are close by, um, I am part of a Facebook group for our neighborhood, and there was a nurse that got on the, the Facebook group and, and posted, said, I can't believe this. I've been working 14-hour shifts the last three days, and payday came, and I was going to go grocery shopping on Friday. This, I, I'm not overreacting. I'm not panicking. I was just going to do my normal grocery, grocery trip, and I, I can't buy the things I need because the stores are wiped out. And people in the neighborhood said, what do you need? I'll put it on my front porch. I'll put right. it in a bag. You know what? I, I can't give you everything I have, but if everyone in the neighborhood said, hey, I'll give you a roll of toilet paper. You know, if you know eight people step up and say, "I'll give you a roll of toilet paper. I'll give you uh, some cleaning products. I, I I got some mac and cheese or whatever you need." You know, just if everybody just helps each other out as we get through this, we're, listen, we're all going to be fine. We the the country's been through worse. I, I do believe that the country's going to be fine. Uh, the humanity parts I like, and I want to I want to celebrate them because we should celebrate good things and good people. And it's sometimes difficult because there's the mayor of uh, Champaign, Illinois. Oh, Jesus. People, listen, it, it was Rahm Emanuel who said, never let a crisis go to waste. And it is indeed 
a lot of people who have taken that to heart and push that every single day in all the ways that they can. The mayor of Champaign, Illinois, signed an executive order. The executive order states very, very clearly um, because of what's going on with uh, coronavirus. They have the ability to do uh, certain things, changing um, certain meetings, suspend certain licenses or permits uh, that could impact the public health or well-being of residents. The city manager may authorize any purchase for which funds are available reasonably related to the emergency. The city manager is authorized to adjust any personnel policies related to leave time. The city manager is authorized to enter into such temporary agreements, um, including memorandum of understanding with the city's bargaining units in order to promote the provision of city services. So that means giving uh, some of these public sector unions possibly what they want. Uh, Here it is. Uh, I I, I wanted to get to it. Um, Also has the ability to... Order the discontinuance of the sale of alcoholic liquor by any wholesaler or retailer. Order the discontinuance of selling, distributing, or giving away gasoline or other liquid flammable or combustible products. Order the discontinuance of selling, distributing, dispensing, or giving away of explosives or explosive agents, firearms, or ammunition of any character whatsoever. This woman, the mayor of Champaign, Illinois, Deborah Frank Finan, F-E-I-N-E-N, just gave herself the power to eliminate the Second Amendment. Mm -hmm. That's what you saw coronavirus as an opportunity. When we talk about people politicizing, you're guilty, Mayor. You're guilty. They should throw you out. They should throw you out right now. And I'm talking about with pitchforks, Simpson style. Yeah. Right? That's how they should do it. Well, I pose this question to our friends on the left. I've heard for years now that Donald Trump is a fascist. (laughs) <laughs> that's that's what I've heard. Oh, that's, that's what I've brilliant. been told. That's what I've been told. Is Mayor Deborah Frank finding a fascist for doing this? Or are we totes cool with this because it's the Second Amendment and, wow, never let a good crisis go to waste? First, yes, she is a fascist. And there's proof of this that there is not amongst the totality of the Democratic Party, but amongst a large segment of the Democratic Party, this tendency. You can argue that the political right has... Uh, in many sectors, a religious bent and fervor, and there are some people who absolutely want a theocracy. You can't say no, there are. And those forces need to be fought uh, ag- aggressively. But, you know, I was talking about how I, there, there's a run on ammunition. So I went yesterday, I, I hadn't been out, I got out of the house, and I knew that I was low, and I've always locked up, and I just, I haven't gotten to it here and haven't gotten to it there. You know, I'm a Second Amendment guy, I'm not a gun guy. So I hate shooting. I find it the most tedious, laborious, boring thing in the world. I don't like practicing. I can't. People are like, hey, you should come skeet shooting. I'm not interested. I know I haven't done it, so I can't tell if I really like it. I just don't think I will. It's like hunting. I have no issue with hunters whatsoever. I have no desire to sit in a blind for seven hours. Nothing about that turns me on, interests me whatsoever. I go down to one, uh, the, the, the place that I usually go. I, I, I like the people, and it's it's convenient to how I get back from work and everything else and I walk in and there are there are 50 people there's so many people I'm surprised that the governor didn't shut it down for having too many people in one spot <laughs> and I'm like what in the world and a guy recognizes me you know and uh, hey Tony what's going on and I said hey I need to get I want to get a, a, a 
couple of boxes. I wanted to stock up. It's been a while. Yeah, um, one box per customer. I said, I'm sorry, what? One box per customer? One box per caliber? No, no, no. One box per customer. And then one of the owners comes by. I think it's one of the owners. Hey, Tony, what's up? One box per customer. He says to me, Tony, we sold more ammunition yesterday than we sold in the entire month of January. We sold more guns yesterday than we sold in the entire month of January. And I said, coronavirus? And he's like, you would not believe what people are thinking and saying. It's unbelievable. So I got in my car. I bought my box. (laughs) Thank you very much for the data. I drive up north, just north of Indianapolis. The place is packed. But they have no restrictions. And they are literally selling boxes by the thousand. You can buy a thousand rounds. People are buying the boxes of a thousand rounds. Not one at a time. Three at a time. Now, for those of us who don't know all that much about ammo, and I know it's different based on the gun, a, a box of a thousand, how much does that run a person? Uh, $215 for nine millimeter. Um, a nine millimeter in brass, $215. And it was on sale for $175. Uh, some people missed the sale. And that's, I mean, it's $50 off. Uh, they had supposedly had a whole pallet, it was gone. Um, so people think of a thousand rounds. Oh my gosh, so many rounds. You don't need that. Well, if you're somebody who goes shooting on a regular basis, enjoys it, you can go through a thousand rounds pretty easily, right? It's yeah. so it's not this, it's not a frightening number, right? People are frightened. Oh my gosh. They, they have 10,000 rounds at home. Some people consider 10,000 rounds to be the bare minimum, <laughs> right? Because this is their hobby. This is what they do. This is what they enjoy, right? And then there's a the whole idea of personal protection. And then. There's people like Mayor Finan, who they're the reason people do this. There is a guy on on Twitter who uh, this 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 was the the other day. I want to I want to find the tweet. Uh, an, an elected official, right? An elected official. Let me see if I can find this here. Hold on a second. Uh, here it is, Senator Bob Casey. Ugh. Of Pennsylvania. And what does Senator Bob Casey... Oh, I just deleted it. What does Senator Bob Casey uh, tweet out? It's something about wanting to keep people from uh, purchasing a weapon. Right now, in America, it is easier to get an AR-15 than a test kit for COVID-19. That's an anti-gun, gun-grabbing message. My response? This is why I bought ammo today. Because of course it is. Yeah. Between that and the mayor, my gosh, stop looking at Second Amendment people like somehow they're wrong. They're right. You people are fascists. You people, abortion is nowhere in the Constitution. You want to tell me that it's a right, a human right. The Second Amendment is clear. The right to keep and bear arms, the right to protect myself and the ones I love doesn't come from the Constitution. It comes from nature and nature's law. I have the right to defend myself, protect myself, and protect the ones I love. I have a responsibility and a duty to do so, and I take the responsibility damn seriously. And these people are like, oh, nope, nope, can't have that. Nope, you shouldn't be able to do that. The Second Amendment people are always right when, they, when they're like, see, this is, this is the fascism that we're talking about. And it absolutely positively is. And that brings us to Joe Biden and the, I think he was an auto plant worker in Detroit. Did you see that exchange? Yes. Okay. The exchange goes as follows. 
because it's it's a Second Amendment story. By the way, the cigar is sensational. Yep. This is, it is strong. It is sensational. If you're somebody who does cigars on the regular, the Lito Gomez, L-I-T-T-O, give, give yourself a good hour and a half. This is going to take some time. But this shouldn't be your first cigar. <laughs> if you've never had a cigar before and this is your first attempt at smoking one, probably not the best one to start off with. But, wow, the it's smoke good. coming off this. Oh, yeah. I, I don't often talk about that. The, I like it when, there, when there's a big smoke. I always find it, it smokes a little, a, a little better that, that way. Um, the tobacco is wonderful. I get a touch of cream right now, and that spice is still there. I am very, And I, and I hear the happy. smoke uh, takes care of the virus if mm. it's in your mouth. That's, that's what I heard. That's how it works. <laughs> that is science, according to Dr. Anthony Fauci of the CDC. <laughs> um, so Joe Biden is confronted by, not even confronted, politely spoken to by this plant worker who says, you're trying to take away my Second Amendment rights. And... Joe Biden responds with, don't give me that S. Curses at the guy. And the guy's like, you said you want to take away uh, my guns. And then Biden's like, no, 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 I'm only talking about the AR-14s. Are we, I think we're all fine with him taking away the AR-14s, right? Are we okay with that? <laughs> sure, because it doesn't exist. <laughs> he doesn't even know the name of the gun. Oh, Tony, he just made a mistake. No, no, all he does is make mistakes. He's talking about taking away people's Second Amendment rights, and he doesn't even have the common decency to know what it is he's talking about because he doesn't care. Such an ideologue is Joe Biden, so bigoted in this way that he doesn't care what it is. He doesn't care what the name is. He doesn't care to learn what the name is. Just take the gun. Just take the gun. That's all. Why does it matter what it actually is? And while he's saying that, Joe Biden is pointing at the guy, poking the guy, wagging his finger in the guy's face. And the guy says to him, well, first of all, there's going to be none of this. And when he does that, he opens up his hand full and just like puts it like doesn't touch Joe Biden, but puts it almost like near him. Just say, hey, don't do that. And then Joe Biden says, oh, you're being ridiculous. We should take this outside. Joe Biden is 77 years old. If a stiff breeze blows, Joe Biden is going to fall down and break a hip. He's telling people we should step outside. As you know, Tony, I know a thing or two about auto workers. Yes. If that would have been another auto worker, he would have been flattened. Without question. I look at this story as the great example. You know what really separates the Midwest from other places? It's this story. Because you can find people who are hard left in Indiana or Nebraska, the same way you can find people who are hard left in San Francisco or New York. And you can find conservatives in Indiana or Nebraska in the same way you can find conservatives that are in, in, in New York. They're, they're very quiet, but, but they are there. The difference is when Joe Biden has somebody in their face and pointing a finger, he grabs their finger. Joe Biden is always touching people that he shouldn't touch. Joe Biden is cursing at people, and Joe Biden is threatening to take people outside. Now, Joe Biden has all sorts of protections. He now, by the way, wants Secret Service to protection to prove that he's the front runner. He wants Secret Service protection. But he's grabbing people, he's cursing at people, he's, he's threatening people. This auto worker was polite, was defending his rights, was talking to somebody who could be president saying, you shouldn't be taking my rights away. And people cheered Joe Biden's response. They cheered what he did. So when you, Fingers Malloy, talk about fascism, talk about the violence, talk about the aggressiveness, Joe Biden is this mayor of Champaign. Mm -hmm. Joe Biden is uh, Bob Casey, the senator from Democrat from Pennsylvania. They're all in the same camp. 
Your rights are insignificant. They could treat you any way they want. And if you respond, how dare you respond that way? I thought he was a moderate, Tony. That's what I've been told. He's yeah. a well, you, you've been lied to. In the same way Pete Buttigieg was a moderate? Here's the, the part of that story that really hasn't been discussed all that often that I find interesting is how he treated a female aide during this whole thing. Oh, the shush comment. The shush comment. Now, I happen to, I turn on my TV and I cut the cord. And for some reason, my TV, when I turn it on, goes to this network that has the Young Turks on. <laughs> I, I, I don't Really? Know. Yeah. And I just haven't bothered. I flipped the channel so the Young so Turks fast. are progressives and they started a YouTube channel and then they were on TV. I think they're back on YouTube. What they've created is quite amazing and all the respect in the world. Yes. Dave Rubin at one time was a Young Turk. And now Dave Rubin is on the political right um, and uh, really, really bright dude. He's on tour. He's coming to Indianapolis. Uh, but it's, 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 it, what they've created is quite remarkable. But anyway, back to your story. Jank. Yeah, I don't know. I don't mean to be rude. He I was on a 20-second rant, and I found myself nodding in agreement with him. If Bernie Sanders had turned to a female aide and treated her like Joe Biden so did. So true. If, well, explain what Joe Biden did. He, she was trying to get in the middle of this, and he turned to her and shushed her. Shush, 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 shush you, shush. I mean, this—if it's Mitt Romney, it's a binders full of woman uh, statement. You know, it's—and and yet, that's just Uncle Joe being Uncle Joe, and it's fine. And the media spin—they ignore that. There are think pieces on CNN.com about how that exchange went down and how it was actually good for Joe Biden. Right. If, if Donald Trump exhibited that behavior, it would be the, the worst thing on the planet that day. Kate Bedingfield is a spokesperson. Uh, dep- I think she's a deputy campaign manager for, for Biden. And she went on Fox News to say, you know, after and, and Brett Baer, I, was, I think it was Brett Baer. And then it was Ed Henry, Sandra Smith and Ed Henry uh, saying, what do you say to this? And she's like, well, you know, there are a lot of misconceptions out there. There are no misconceptions. Kate Bedingfield flat out lied on national television. She is a liar. And she should apologize for that. And people should call her out for it. You're absolutely right that if it was Trump, it would be front page news. How dare you? Remember, when Jim Acosta rips a microphone from a, from a female page's hand, well, you know, that's for free speech. Um, <laughs> and, if, and, and Sank is right that if this was Joe Biden, I mean, Bernie Sanders, and you know how much they hate Bernie Sanders, doing <laughs> anything to keep him from getting the nomination. Man, do they hate Bernie Sanders. But it was Joe Biden, all is forgiven. Yeah. Why is it? It is stunning to watch what they're doing now within the Democratic Party on Joe Biden. He's the guy. He's the consensus candidate. He can take on Trump. Do they not realize that the country votes too? Not just Democrats in a primary. It's, it's so great when they talk about, well, you know, the reason Elizabeth Warren is in this race is because of misogyny. <laughs> Don't look at me. Look at Democrats. I, I, I didn't get a chance to vote. Right. Right. The country is going to look at Joe Biden. He can't string together four sentences. Now, that's just fact. He cannot do it. The word salads are unbelievable. It's why Representative Jim Clyburn, the Democrat from South Carolina, who saved Biden's political career, and people like James Carville now and others, they want to put an end to the primary season. Yeah. There should be no more primaries and no more debates because they know that Joe Biden is 14 seconds away from literally saying yeah. and falling apart. Our good friend Cam Edwards. from He is the editor of BearingArms.com. I'm going to say that he coined this term yes they're giving it to jonah goldberg i think it's cam edwards too grand propaganda <laughs> grand propaganda oh, that's not the one i thought it was okay uh, you no, go he ahead. Said, we're not going to go through this election season with the media spinning their grand propaganda when it comes to uh joe biden 
because of you know spinning it like the think pieces on CNN saying this was a good thing for him to do. Uh, the uh, the reason why I became familiar with this piece on CNN was because the Virginia GOP retweeted that piece and said, oh, "It's so easy to be a Democrat." <laughs> <laughs> He can he can get in a voter's face and tell him he's basically full of ass, and they're seeing and going, man, that was a really good move on his part. Now the thing I thought you were going to say about Cam because I saw it attributed to I think it was attributed to Jonah Goldberg. I think it's attributed to Cam Edwards. Is that they're talking about the debate between uh, Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden, and uh, Cam Edwards said the debate should take place on a park bench while they feed pigeons. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, son of a, that's fantastic. That is as good as as you get. But I mean... That's great. We didn't have to invent anything when you talk about fascism. All we had to do was like share the stories. Now, one of the really cool pieces, and this, I... I Kevin Williamson first turned me on to this. And there's a German, um, for lack of a better word, philosopher whose name eludes me right now. Not one of the ones you know. Or maybe a political scientist. I can't remember the name. Don't think of fascism as a... As a, uh, a part of the political spectrum, right? So, for example, people will call the Nazis fascists. The Nazis were not fascists. Nazi is the, the shortening up of national socialists, right? They were socialists. That's who they are. So don't think of fascism as a concept of the political right, but rather think of fascism as a tool utilized by groups to achieve their ends. That's what fascism is. And I, I read that from Williamson. I'm like, that's wicked smart. Yeah. Conceptually, you realize, I mean, you, 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 people have always thought of it on the political spectrum, but take a step back and ask yourself, who really utilizes it? When you have so many people referring to the Nazis as fascists, well, those two things are supposed to be opposites, the socialists and the fascists. But is there any real difference in how the tool gets applied? If you take a look at Antifa and what they do all around the country and the violence they commit, it's fascism. But they consider themselves the anti-fascists. But they're okay with punching people and attacking reporter Andy No and, and, and others. It's a tool. It really, it really is. Every now and then you're hit with something like, okay, you've changed my thinking here. And it's not that I haven't realized it. It's just it got it got spelled out so well that I was like, oh, oh, that makes perfect sense. And I'm t- it's like one of those things where you're like, son of a gun. A, yeah. why didn't think I think of that? And number two, right. holy crap, that's exactly it. Well, and as you know from our friends, many people on the political right are most people on the political right are very suspicious of government power. And when a, a situation like this, a crisis emerges where government power expands. Too often what happens is once the crisis is over, yeah, some of that power goes away, but government ends up being more powerful after the crisis, and people are fine with it because they're used to the government having that kind of power. Which is why when we talk about coronavirus, the people who have been pushing for paid family leave, pushing for more government this, this is why we need socialized medicine. Never let a crisis go to waste. This is an opportunity to get what you want, and this is not, the, this is not what we should do. This, this, you have to double down on the importance of freedom. And on the American way. We have had, you talk about the Spanish flu of 1918, which, by the way, is not in any way racist or bigoted. It's the Spanish flu. Do you know why it's called the Spanish flu? Not because it originated in Spain. It's called the Spanish flu, based on the research I know about, because the Spaniards were the ones who were reporting on it 
so aggressively. And so they called it the Spanish flu. But German measles, MERS, which is Middle Eastern Respiratory Syndrome, to which people died, by the way, by the thousands. So when people say you can't call it Wuhan coronavirus, sure you can. Oh, I, now, I think it's weird sometimes because I just call it coronavirus. Right. You don't have to deny that it, was, that it started in Wuhan, China. Well, it, a month ago, it was okay for CNN to call it the Wuhan virus. I, I question. Have you seen that supercut? <laughs> that montage of all the CNN people and all the MSNBC people referring to it as, as Wuhan uh, coronavirus? I posed the question, if this had originated in Israel, would these same leftists have a problem calling it the Tel Aviv virus? Oh, do you think it would be, you think it'd be Jerusalem coronavirus? They just wouldn't go right to Jew coronavirus. They wouldn't. They wouldn't do that to my people. But you know the answer to that question. They would have no problem. None. And that happens to be uh, very, very true. You are more than halfway through that well, cigar. I'm, tr- I'm starting to keep it lit a little bit. Are um, you? Yeah. I don't want to ash it, but I don't want. I feel like if, I'm. You know, I'm. I've got a bunch of sophisticated radio equipment here. I don't want my ashes to fall all over it. Um, I would. I would say that part. And I. I also had to. Puff it up a little bit. I think the cigar might be a touch over humidified. It's a little soft uh, to the touch. I would like it to have a little, a little less uh, sponginess, a little more uh, to to a harder construction. Not much, but a little bit. And a so, little flaccid. You're saying? Is that what you're saying? Well, well that's what I'm here for. No, thank, well, thank you, thank you so very much. It, it, it you, you will find, by the way, um, that you know that, that that humidity factor plays a lot. So even in your own. Uh, humidor. I mean, I, I distilled water only in your humidor. Please don't use tap water. You'll have a mold issue, and you don't oh, want boy. it. Um, and and replace uh, your puck or whatever it is you use to hold uh, to hold that. Um, I I even um, had forgotten for a while, and I've just tossed one, and I've I got two more, and and I I replace them. I say every year. Now someone might tell me, "Are you kidding?" Every six months, every every whatever, because you just don't want anything. Well, the pucks aren't all that expensive, are they? No, no, it's it's not, and they're plastic, and it's fine. And, so, and especially when you have this investment, you got hundreds of dollars worth of cigars in a humidor. I just saw for the first time. So, so I like my humidor, and I'm not somebody who I don't keep 300 cigars at a time. I just, I just don't. I'd say my my humidor has some cigars that are giveaway cigars, and some I have some that I should really throw out. And I just can't bring myself to throw out. I would say my my humidor at any one time has 30 cigars in it. Okay, right. Which is more than enough. Right. If, if, if people come over, I can take care of them. If I want to have one, I can have one. And with the good weather coming, uh, the deck is, is where, you know, that's where I want to be. We're going to end up doing more and more episodes uh, from, from the deck for sure. Uh, but the, the, uh, there is, I, I think it was a Facebook ad. It is a humidor that hangs on the wall and it lights up and it's a glass front. And I'm like, as an art, it would be art, right? It's gorgeous, and the price was two grand. And I, of course, I, I didn't do it. I, I, co- I couldn't bring myself. Sounds like a great sponsor for the Eat Drink Smoke podcast, doesn't it? Though, speaking of Fanimation, incredible people, Fanimation.com. These are your ceiling fan professionals. You're talking about whisper quiet, incredible motors that will last and last. Cures coronavirus, does not cure coronavirus, <laughs> right? Don't anger, happy fun ball. Um, they're, they're incredible, these ceiling fans, and they're very customizable. Any blades that you want, the functionality you're looking for, LED lighting, indoor or outdoor, Fanimation, they're sold where, you know, really, really fine re- retailers. Or go to Fanimation.com, 
Fanimation.com. You can also find them on Facebook and like the page. Tell them you heard about it on the Eat, Drink, Smoke podcast. We'd greatly appreciate that. Fanimation.com. These people are fantastic. And here at Blend Bar Cigar, all the ceiling fans and all the different styles are from Fanimation and all their locations, Nashville, Pittsburgh, Houston, and here in Indianapolis. All of them are Fanimation uh, fans. So Fanimation.com is, is where you want to go. I have no idea where coronavirus is going. I don't know what's in store uh, for America. I'm just, I'm aware I'm not panicked. Panic is a really, really bad idea. But there ain't nothing wrong whatsoever with, with, with buying some extra provisions. I don't quite understand the toilet paper. I will tell you, I'm, that is at a loss. But I'm already hearing uh, people here in Indianapolis saying, yeah, this store is empty, that store is empty. But have you been to such and such a place? Uh, stocked, ready to go. I grabbed a, a drink from a convenience store uh, this morning. They had tissues. They had uh, 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 other paper products. So, yeah, stuff is, stuff is out there. And that people reacted at the quick. Everything's going to get restocked and resupplied. Bidet sales are up in a big way. Okay. Now, now we're going to get into it, fingers and lawn. <laughs> so you know what a bidet is. Everyone knows what a bidet is. It shoots water on you after you, after you go number two yeah. and, cleans you and, and keeps you clean. I love that. I love that concept more than anything in the world. I would install one in my own home. I don't, I, don't, I don't have the configurations to do it. The bidet is the smartest idea in the world. Smartest I, idea in the world. You know what's the worst idea in the world? And I want the environmentalists to suffer. Everybody who put one of those air dryers in the, in the, in the bathroom in the, of their restaurant yeah. and it blows a lot of air, you, all you're doing is blowing germs around. Right. And we've already known that. All I want is a paper towel now. That's all. I, if, you, if, if you're a restaurant that has an air dryer only, I don't know, I don't know if I'm going to trust. What's the point of washing my hands? Yeah. What is the point? You're just spreading all the sorts of things around. You may as well have someone from Wuhan blowing on your hands to get them dry. <laughs> oh, that was the end of the podcast. <laughs> Apple has just thrown us off. You know, he, that, that was a terrible joke, and I want you to apologize for I, it. I, I'm, I'm terribly sorry, Tony, for, for making that joke. And just like that, we're back, joke. people. We just got relisted. Isn't that amazing? That's a joke. I do have a friend that has a poor person's bodet. Bidet? Bidet. Is that a shower? They connected the, you know how for your sink you can get the little sprayer? They split a line in the toilet. They did not. Yeah, and they've got it on a hook where they can spray themselves down after that's they're done. Not, that's, that's the, not. That's not. a nice cold water that oh. comes out of that. I, I, oh. I looked at it and I was like, good for you. Good, good Lord. Good for you. That is nothing to be proud of. Do I know this person? No. Thank God. Thank God. But Fing- I'm seeing pictures of people doing that. Fingers Malloy, fingersmalloy.com uh, is where you find them. Find me at tonycats.com, Facebook, Tony Katz Radio, Instagram and Twitter, Tony Katz, and write a review for this podcast. Give a five star review to this podcast there at Apple Podcasts. You can also find us on Stitcher and Google Play. Thank you, Fanimation. Thank you, Blend Bar Cigar, blendbarcigar.com. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke.